Hey friends, I am so glad to be back with you after a little sabbatical and we're just diving right back into the truth straight to some scripture today with a message of encouragement and some um, providence and some provision and hopefully it will grow our trust that there is not anything on this this earth or beyond that we need to be afraid of as we navigate what is happening in this world. We do not need to be afraid. God is so faithful and he is so good and let's learn about it. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey fam, so good to be back with y'all after a little unannounced hiatus, (laughs) a little sabbatical. Honestly, I got really overwhelmed with all the things, all the balls and the plates spinning and the balls juggling and the things that we had going on in our family and we were doing state tournaments with baseball and and all the things and we were sick forever and ever I just had to kind of put some things down for a minute and take a break and try to figure out seek holy spirit what do I want to be when I grow up (laughs) what am I doing am I still following in your your will am I still doing all the things you're calling me to, and he is so faithful. I hope that you guys take time to do that from time to time because he affirmed and opened new doors and gave me fresh insight and excitement about things I was doing, and he sent some of you, which I'm so grateful for, to send me little text messages or voxers or encouragement that you miss what I'm doing and that it matters and that you're listening. So I'm glad for that. And I also got my ad back. Yeah, yeah. Not that it matters too much. It's like change, but I just felt like, am I being shadow banned? I'm certainly not a big enough deal to be shadow banned, but I'm back. I'm excited to be back. And I've also just, gosh, so many things swirling. I do want to do an update on the shifting narrative that seems to be moving into the mainstream about the efficacy of these jabs. Um, And by that, I mean everything we've already been talking about is kind of being talked about by some of the mainstream people, namely Tucker Carlson. But a lot of studies have come out over the last couple of months that are really significant. And I do want to do an episode on that, but I'm not going to do that today. I do want to do that though. Um, And I do have some fun guests and stuff that are coming up, my daughter being one. So I am excited to jump back in, but I, I felt like I needed to circle the wagons and I was reading a piece of scripture and it's some of my favorite scripture. I'm such an Old Testament gal which is so funny because everybody loves the New Testament and who doesn't? It's so great. There's Jesus and stuff. But the Old Testament, the history, is really where I see so much evidence of God and his, you know, being real, his existence, but also his character. And that might be, you know, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, and I'm only just barely ahead of you on that, um, 
you might think of the Old Testament God, and I use quotations as if there's like a different God in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Some people feel like that. Some people feel like the Old Testament God is like all hellfire and, and punishment and really harsh. And although there is a lot of that, as there is when you have a new child, <laughs> a young child that you're trying to grow up. I mean, ideally with my kids being six, eight and 10, we're done with those spankings. You know, we're done with any, any of that. Although I'm not, a, I'm not past it if it needs to be done, but you know what I mean? Like oftentimes you need to do some of the more abrupt punishment on the front side so that they learn and then they're not making that severe of a mistake again. And so you're not having to do that. That's the goal. This is the same with God, right? And his new people of Israel that he's growing up and teaching them about who he is and the promises that he keeps. And there's so much in the prophets and the prophets, um, the prophecies in the old Testament can be really thick and heavy and hard to navigate and um, what are they actually talking about? And that's true. There, There's a lot of that. But the more you read it, and I've said this before, I'm sure I've said it on the podcast, that I feel like the first time you vacuum your floor, I do it on the high setting. And then I go in for the deep suck, you know, like the higher setting that wastes your vacuum's battery a lot faster. And then every once in a while, you got to come in with like the, you know, rent a thing and do the shampooing of the rugs, right? And that's the deep, deep, deep clean. It's the kind of the same thing. It's sucking out different information the deeper you go, right? That's like reading the Bible. You read it once, you get the basics. You read it again, you go a little deeper. You read it again, you go even deeper and deeper. And it works like that to infinity. This book can be read again and again and again, and you'll learn new stuff and get different things out of it all the time. So that's really exciting. But I'm not going to go into the prophets. I also love First and Second Kings, which are the history books. Um, the prophecies show us, like I was reading in Isaiah this morning, and it was talking about how Isaiah named Cyrus, which would be the king of Babylon, 150 years before he ever became the king of Babylon. And before Babylon was ever a world power, he named Cyrus specifically by his name and and had a you know very detailed prophecy about this man that would come to be the king of Babylon and would come to fulfill the prophecy it's wild to me because I'm like how oh god you're so crazy so I love those sorts of stories in the prophecies but in the in the histories we see that also we see Elijah and Elijah yes there are two prophets back to back in the scriptures one with a j Elijah he's first and then one with an S, Elijah, he's second. <laughs> so that's really exciting. And it takes a minute to get your feet under that one. But I wanted to just kind of walk through First Kings 19 with you guys. And I've done this in the past. It's been a minute. But I felt just really led to jump back into this whole podcast with scripture and reassert. Because God is our answer. God is our providence. He's our provision. He is our protector. He is our foundation. He is before. He is, you know, in front. He is behind us. He is beside us. All the lyrics of the song, right? There's a new song we're singing in church at the Belonging Co. called, um, I don't know what it's called. Can't tell you. But it says, fear is not my future. You are. Heartbreak's not my home. You are. Like these sorts of lyrics. And I just love it every time that we sing it because I'm like, yes, you are all of it. You're everything. And um, the reason why I wanted to read this story specifically, and I actually probably will do 
a series on some of this um, because there's so much good and people skim over these books and go straight for the New Testament. But this is just such a great story to me of God's providence and him going before and making a way and, and providing because there's a lot of fear around what's happening in the world. The interest rates raised again today. The Fed raised them three base points or three quarters. I don't know, seven, 0.75%. <laughs> so we're still trying to tackle inflation. A couple, a week or so ago, inflation numbers came out at what, 9.1%. So we're not, we're not moving in the right direction yet. It is not over. It's still going up. There's no sign that it's coming back down. The feds are raising rates. It's, it's a weird time. Um, I'm talking to people that are feeling that pinch more and more all the time, right? Um, we were supposed to go to Yellowstone. We canceled that trip basically because of diesel prices being so high and the shortage. Um, it just was like, it seems so, you know, exorbitant as an expenditure for a trip to, to do that in this climate. So we canceled a trip. I mean, these are things that people are doing. We never would have done that before, but, um, it's a sign of the times. And we're looking, a lot of people are talking about a really rough fall when, you know, gosh, most certainly in Germany and, um, some other places in Western Europe where the pipeline has basically been reduced from Russia, which again, why on earth we those countries found themselves so dependent upon an uh, you know basically an enemy <laughs> um, enemy ideology anyway I do not know but alas they are getting 20% less natural gas from Germany at this point but they could at any point decide you're not getting any or you're getting only 10% of the gas we used to send you or whatever but they're very dependent upon that it's going to be a very cold winter in in Europe and possibly here. I mean, we're seeing blackouts. We've had that in California, Nevada, in Texas. We've seen brownouts. We've seen different crazy policies, you know, during the heat, the heat waves of the summer. And, um, you know, we saw a really aggressive cold front and winter come through Texas. Um, not this past winter, but the winter before, I believe, the first winter um, that after Biden was sworn in. So that would have been 2021. Yep, just last winter, <laughs> I suppose. Well, I guess we did have a little bit of a winter already in 2022. I'm just so looking forward to this heat being over, y'all. I'm walking with my dogs in the morning and I'm like, I see yellow leaves. My kids know how much I love the fall. I know it's wishful thinking and the leaves are actually turning yellow because they're dying because we're not getting nearly as much rain this summer as we usually do. But you know, you get where I'm going. There's a nice breeze in the morning and I'm tempted to put on a sweatshirt, but I know it's actually 70 degrees with a breeze, so I don't, but I feel it. I feel it in the air. I digress. Don't you miss all of my tangents. Okay, let's jump in to a story about the provision and the providence of God, how he goes before us, and we have nothing to fear. He is so faithful and so good, but it depends on our complete surrender and complete dependence on him. We like to depend on ourselves. We like to depend on our money. We like to depend on our job. We like to depend on our military, our cops, our politicians, our husbands, our wives, basically everything else besides God. And this is an example of what it looks like to really, truly, really, truly have to depend entirely on God. So forgive me if I say any of these names or towns wrong because, you know, I don't know how to pronounce everything. Okay. Absolute lies, not 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 17, although there's a lot of good stuff in 1 Kings 19, and I think we'll get there. 
I think we'll get there because I love 17, 18, and 19. But I'm going to start in 17, so forgive me for the earlier reference. 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah, with a J, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, he's the evil king, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have con- I have commanded them to bring you food. Okay, let's stop there. So I love that Elijah is willing to go to this evil king who is persecuting all of his people and absolutely worshiping Baal and everybody else, all the false gods, all false idols, all the things. I mean, this is like one of the worst kings in history. And he is, um, Elijah not only does this boldly, he says the God I serve, meaning the real God, not only is he so bold, but then he actually delivers this prophecy that there will be no dew or rain for the next few years until I give the word. You guys, this is a culture that is absolutely dependent upon rain, right? Upon God's good graces in that department. There's no way of like having food they're they don't have stores and stockpiles of food they depend on their crops and if there is no rain there is no food there's immediate famine this is absolutely critical and this is a great example of a people who depend really heavily on something that is not god right their own strength their own ability their idols what have you so elijah is bold and goes to this evil king and says these things until i give the word he says because god's going to withhold the the rain until until further notice, basically. And Elijah is the one who's going to be the mouthpiece of God. So then the Lord tells Elijah to do this really strange thing. He says to go to this weird brook near where the water enters the Jordan River. And then it says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. This is a very strange thing. So oftentimes God is going to tell us things in the natural that make zero sense. Like when he told us to move across the country to Tennessee onto a farm. At that time, in my life, I lived in a 4,600 square foot house on a golf course in a gated community at the base of the mountains in Genoa, Nevada. Okay. And he told me to go to a house built in 1956 that had been sort of kind of renovated partially, but added onto and didn't originally have plumbing and try to figure out how to be a farmer. Okay. That did not make sense, although I was very clear that that was where God was directing us. And my husband, you know, had always, we always wanted land. I mean, there was more to it. There, this was something that he had put on my heart and grew over time. But at the moment, I was very conflicted because I loved Nevada. I loved my church. I loved the people there. And God was like, no, you're leaving. And he actually called very, a lot of us out of that, that valley at that time. A lot of my friend group, kind of strange, you know, to various parts of the country, but it doesn't always make sense what God tells us to do in the natural. The question is, are you willing to do it? And in this question, in this instance, Elijah did. He went and it's extra weird that he said the ravens will bring you food because ravens were like dirty birds. They were unclean. This would have been just you're absolutely at the will. Think about that. If somebody told you to go live at the river and ravens are going to bring you enough food to eat. <laughs> like I've not ever been brought a single cracker, let alone a meal by a bird in my life. But Elijah does. It says, so Elijah did as the Lord told him. 
and camped beside this brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Oh, yeah, right? He called for the rain to stop. Sometimes what God calls for the correction of those who are not walking in God's will will affect those of us who are walking in God's will. We will see the consequences bleed over. And it doesn't mean that God's not faithful to his people or, you know, delivering um, on his promises to us, those who have remained faithful while he punishes and or corrects those who are not following in his will. But we see here that he's found a way, although strange, (laughs) to provide what Elijah needs. Now, God is very careful to not just promise us, you know, what we want. He promises to deliver what we need. And I've got to say, he's been really faithful to do that in my life. I don't always get all the things that I want. And sometimes I get the things that I need that show up in ways that I don't recognize. It doesn't seem like something that I want at all, but I realize later it is something that I need. So now we're seeing that Elijah has no water, (laughs) although he was given both bread and meat every day faithfully. So that would grow your trust a little bit in what God's got going on. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the valley of Zarephath, maybe, near the city of Sidon. I I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Okay, we've got a new plan. God's pivoting. Not that he's changing his mind or his plan. He's just took Elijah out away from all the people to grow his faith. Have you ever been cut off from your group, your people? And at first it's like, this is strange and I feel isolated, but then you realize how much God grew your faith in that season. This happened for Elijah. Now he's being told, okay, now that you know me, now that you trust me, I'm going to have you go to a different place. I'm having you come in the city and go find this widow. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil and the bo- at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. So apparently God didn't necessarily fill the widow in on the plan he had for Elijah to come and uh, shack up with her and get some food foods from her. But I love this. It says, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread. So she does not believe in God, but she recognizes that Elijah is a man of God. He's the prophet of God. And she's like, you believe in him. I'm telling you on your highest authority that I don't have what you're asking of me. I don't have enough to share. Verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Okay, so he says, don't be afraid. How many times, how many times do we hear this in the Bible? Do not be afraid. First order of business. I'm going to ask you to do something outside of your comfort zone. And it's going to seem like in the natural, I'm taking you to the very end of your rope. And I am because that's where I am. I, God, am at the end of your rope, right? Uh, There's a great book. I can't remember the author. It's called um, The End of Me, I believe is what it's called. But that's where we find God so so frequently is at the end of ourselves, where we just can't do it anymore, where we we break down, where it's it's the end, right? That we can't see any way forward. And that's where God says, 
This is where I've been waiting for you. Now I'm going to show you. So Elijah tells her, do not be afraid. Go ahead and get the things that you said you were going to go do. Go do that. But first, make the bread for me. So don't feed your son and you first and then give me the extra. Give me first. Prioritize me first. Is she going to be willing to do this? There will always be flour. So he says, um, I'm sorry, verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So Elijah is telling her, God's going to provide for you in a way that you can't understand because she says, I have just a little oil because she's going to make bread with this flour and this oil. That's all that they have, right? You can survive off that. It's not going to be, you're not going to get gain all the weight, but you're going to survive off of that. And Elijah tells her, and he says, I think it's going to work out. No. Does he say, I think God's got a plan for it? No. He says very specifically, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. There's going to be enough. I know you can't see that. You just see a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of flour and you think the end is here. But I'm telling you, God's going to provide in a supernatural way. You guys, as we walk into potential food shortages or we're looking at Bill Gates buying up all this farmland and all these things that strike fear in us. We're like, what is going to happen? What is the, I don't feel as secure in my food supply as I have my whole life. I never even thought about how flour makes it to my grocery store or it, where I might have to find chicken, like that's just at the store, right? We, we're having to think about things that probably most of us have never really had to think about in our lives. Praise God. And here God is saying, there will always be enough for the people who will be faithful and depend on me. We don't know how that's going to happen until the rain comes again, he says. Okay, verse 15. So she did as Elijah said, and she said, I'm sorry. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. There was always enough. There was always enough. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse and finally died. Then she said to Elijah, O oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? So now we see another opportunity for God to work in this story. And it says sometime later at the beginning of this verse, which is to say that Elijah and this widow and her sons have been living together for some time. We don't know how long, but we've already seen the miracle of God in the provision through uh, the bread and oil, the flour and oil for bread. So she must have some sort of faith in this God that Elijah is supposedly representing, right? We don't know that she yet has faith in him herself. She calls him man of God, Elijah. So that's an indicator that she knows he is, you know, connected in some mysterious way to the true God. But now we see the most unimaginable tragedy a mother can go through, right? The death of a child. So verse 19, but Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, why have you brought this tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. This is quite a picture, right? It doesn't seem to me that Elijah was given any hint that this was going to happen. Elijah doesn't seem to feel confident about the outcome, 
right? This is not an instance where he's like, lady, don't worry about the oil and the flour. We've got that. It doesn't seem like that. It doesn't seem like he's like, don't worry, that son's going to come back to life. Don't even worry. He doesn't seem to have the same confidence. He seems to be hysterical. He's crying out to the Lord. He's praying to God, petitioning on behalf of this woman. And this is so interesting to me. He stretches himself out over the child three times. What does that look like to you in your head? You know, I just think of this. I imagine him crying, being very grief stricken. Um, you know, it's just an interesting picture. And then we come to, oh, and also this is potentially the first resurrection of the Bible because spoiler alert, kid's going to come back. But also knowing the Hebrew words, which I don't very well, but I've, I'm understanding that it's very likely that this was possibly not a death and a resurrection. My translation, I'm reading out the NLT, um, which isn't my favorite translation, um, but it says that the child died, but I think often it says something like the child fell asleep or the child, you know, lost its breath. So we're, um, we're not sure if the child fully died and was brought back to life or if this was just some miraculous recovery from what they perceived to be death. Um, if it was like a CPR, you know, CPR resuscitation, those happen on occasion where, yes, clinically they're dead, but they're not dead, dead, dead. We see that, right? I wouldn't call that a resurrection so much, but we don't know exactly the terms. I just want to be clear on that. Verse 22, the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. So here we see a word revived, meaning maybe he wasn't fully dead. Um, the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. Y'all, he hears our prayers. He hears our petitions. It's not that God changed his mind. He is not somebody who changes his mind. So it's not that he decided, I'm going to take this son, and then decided, okay, never mind. I'm going to change my mind. He knew he was not going to fully take the son, but he wanted Elijah to put, it's another opportunity to grow Elijah's faith. And this woman he's trying to reach, and this son that he's trying to reach. All of these miracles, so frequently it says in scripture that he does it for your sake, for their sake, for our sake, so that we would believe, so that we would see the miracles of God, so that we would walk away going, there's no way that didn't happen. No way that's not real. He does it for us. He takes these things this far so that there's no other possible explanation. That's why Jesus was dead for three days, because it wouldn't have been as compelling if he died for an hour. You might be like, well, was he really dead? Was he just in a coma? Like the three-day thing, the stabbing in the side, right? The piercing of his heart. All of these things are to make sure we know he was dead, 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 dead. Not just a little dead, but like real, real dead. So these are indicators for us. This is history. This is an account of something that happened. This is not like a myth or a story. This is actual history. This happened. So this is for us to look back on and grow our faith. But it most certainly was a, um, I don't want to say a test, but an opportunity for Elijah to grow his faith, to really go, are you going to fully lean into me? Are you going to fully recognize? Because obviously Elijah is crying out. He's, he's doing, he's going to the only source that he knows holds any authority. He didn't say, give me your son and I'm going to run him down the street to the neighborhood doctor. That's not what he did. He took him upstairs and he prayed. He prayed. That shows that Elijah's full faith was in the authority of God. And God was able to use this opportunity to strengthen his faith and encourage him even further because he's got more plans for Elijah in the future, as we'll hear. And to show this woman a mir another miracle in her own home. 
So we see that God heard his prayer and the the boy revived. 23. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. He did it for her. Now I know for sure. Not that the oil and the flower trick wasn't enough, (laughs) but now I know for sure that you are who you say you are, Elijah, and that God is who he says he is, and that he has authority over all things, not just the flower refiller, but the life giver. He has power over death. He has power over illness. He has power over disease. He has power over famine. He has power over the rain. This is such encouragement to me, and I hope it is for y'all as well, because we are navigating on this podcast and in this world hard things, things that leave big fat question marks in the future, things we don't know how that's going to work out. We don't know how this is going to shake out. We're coming up to our midterms. How's that going to go? Is there going to be election fraud again? How's the inflation thing going to you know, work out? Are we just going to go through the roof? How's it going to go for this winter? Are we going to be freezing cold in our homes? Like, should we stock up on wood? There's a million questions. And a girlfriend of mine reached out to me today and was talking about, you know, how do you know when you pray to God that he's answering? And there's a lot of answers to that question. But I know for me, sometimes he is very clear and I'll, I'll pray a prayer. And within 24 hours, I read something in scripture or I get a text or my pastor says something so specific that I'm like, Lord, that was so for me. I hear you. Or an opportunity will arise where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just so clearly from you because that wasn't even on the horizon. And I just prayed about that. So God will often do that, but he will also burden you or give you peace. And strangely, as I've said before, as I navigate this weird world that we're in, I don't feel fear. I don't always feel fear, I should say. There are moments, there are absolutely moments, but I go back to what God says again and again in scripture, do not be afraid because fear is going to direct you poorly. (laughs) Fear is going to be louder than my voice. And it says in the next chapter that we're going to read together, not today, in uh, 1 Kings 18. Nope, back to 19. Yep, 19. Could be one of these chapters that we're talking about. Yep, 19. We hear that God is in the whisper. He's not in the big giant billboards. He's not in the loudness of mainstream media or social media. He's in the whispers. Sometimes he comes in the storm, but sometimes he comes in the whisper. And when we're focused on fear and all the noise, we can't hear what God is directing us to do. And we're making decisions without ever even going back to check in. Is this what you would have me do? That's why I had to take a break on the podcast and on quite a few things in my life. Just take a little quick break. Is this what you'd have me do? Should I step back in? Am I doing it the way you want me to do it? Just to hear his voice again. And I will feel excitement as I move forward or I will feel burden as I move forward. And those are indicators to me like back up or stop or move away or what have you. But again, fear can cause burden and fear can misdirect you. It's different. So discerning is tricky, you guys. Discerning is hard, figuring it out. But as God says at the end of this scripture we read, he did it for her. Now I know for sure, she says. When you walk through some of these moments, as you lean in and as you pray and as you move towards God and he reveals these things and he grows closer to you and he shows you, I've got you, I've got you, you will know for sure and you will feel the peace and you won't feel the burden of fear. You might feel the burden of his redirection, but you won't be led in fear. 
I just want to break that off again and again. I break that off the spirit of fear. We are not given a spirit of fear from God. He's not going to tell us this is the, this is the time you should be afraid. He's always going to say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you think that I can provide? And he didn't say those words. Do you trust me, Elijah? But he certainly is asking that question of Elijah. Is he not? Elijah, go to the river and wait for the birds to bring your meal. In other words, do you trust me, Elijah? Elijah, go to this town and find this one widow. I'm not going to tell you her name. Good luck. And ask her for a meal. See how it goes. Do you trust me, Elijah? That's the missing context, right? I'm going to bring this son to the brink of death. And I'm going to ask for you to pray. Like, I'm going to expect for you to turn to me. Do you trust me, Elijah? That's what he's asking us. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, thank you so much for this revelation as I read your word, Lord. Thank you for this word of encouragement to me and to those who hear it. I just pray that you would continue to illuminate this truth in not just the word of God, but also in everyone's circumstances, in their church and their pastors and their friendships and their families. Like just let them hear your voice. Let them understand how to discern what you're sharing, what you're telling them, how you're directing them, Lord. And I just continue to break off this spirit of fear that as we face what's to come, we know that you are sovereign, you are in charge, you are in control, and you are good, and you have a way to provide even when it doesn't make sense. We put it all to you, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.